basically the iron, uh, it, it's in ferritin, but mm. the way that we measure it is serum ferritin. So fer iron should actually, and ferritin should actually never be in the serum. It should always be within the cell. So when we measure ferritin, it's, it's a sign of, and I don't really know another word to describe this except for pathophysiology. Yeah. So it's a sign that something else is going wrong. It's, it's the body, that something else is happening. It's not good, basically, mm. in the body. So if we have high ferritin, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And ferritin should always be within the cells. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with Loren Dela Cruz. What a awesome name. Loren is a functional nutritionist who coaches people on how to truly get in tune with their bodies. She's especially passionate about helping women heal post-birth control syndrome, adrenal fatigue and hypothyroidism, and getting their body ready for pregnancy. In this episode, Loren reveals why the marker for iron blood tests is inaccurate, and we break down a ton of myths and discuss what most of us are getting wrong when it comes to iron, including why iron supplements may be creating worse problems for you, the importance of including animal foods in your diet, how iron is utilizing the body and what can go wrong, how vitamin A plays a role in iron utilization, pro-metabolic foods Loren recommends, and why copper is so important. So if you're a woman who suffers from anemia or low iron, or who just wants to improve her metabolism and health, I know you'll love this episode just as much as I did. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Insta stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the world and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Lauren. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the, the Win at Life uh, podcast. It's so awesome to have you on the show. I've been meaning to message you and get you on for a while, but as always, I'm just busy doing a million things. Um, you've got an amazing account on Instagram. You share some really great uh, content and a lot of my clients already already follow you. So thanks so much for, for coming on today and sharing more of your amazing knowledge with us. Thanks so much for having me, Kitty. I'm so excited to be here. So today we thought we'd talk about um, iron and we get a lot of clients, Lauren, that come to us, women, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, they've done a lot of the restrictive diets over years and years and years. And often they'll, you know, start changing to a pro-metabolic diet and they'll, you know, dial back the hours and hours of cardio. And a lot of them will go and get blood tests. And some of the tests that they get done are around iron and they come back that they are low in iron. So I thought maybe initially we could talk about, you know, those blood tests, what they actually mean. And if you are going to get tested for iron, you know, what, which test should you be getting? Cause I think there's a bit of a confusion around that. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Uh, happy to dive in. Uh, so there's a couple things we can talk about. Um, so first of all, the marker for iron on blood tests is pretty inaccurate, honestly. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it used to be, so blood tests, uh, the way iron is measured on a blood test right now, uh, since the 1980s has been serum ferritin. Mm -hmm. And so that's inaccurate because basically 70% of our iron in our body lives in hemoglobin. So that's actually what you get tested maybe when you go to donate blood, they want to make sure your hemoglobin is good and in the right range. And can um, you just, sorry, explain to the viewers what that is, if they don't know? Yeah. So hemoglobin is basically, it's a globulin um, and it is iron containing. It's an oxygen transport. Uh, it, it carries oxygen mm. to the other parts of the body, like the bone marrow and, and other organs like that. So it's a, it's a transporter carrier of, of oxygen. And so iron is a main component of that. Um, so 70% of the iron in our body is within the hemoglobin. So it's within that, you know, that protein, that globulin. Um, and basically ferritin might be in less than 10% of that um, because wow. there's also myoglobin, um, which is in the muscle cells. Um, or muscles. Uh, so we have hemoglobin, myoglobin, and then ferritin. And so um, basically, 
the iron, uh, it's in ferritin, but Mm. the way that we measure it is serum ferritin. So iron should actually, and ferritin should actually never be in the serum. It should always be within the cell. So when we measure ferritin, it's, it's a sign of, and I don't really know another word to describe this except for pathophysiology. Yeah. So it's a sign that something else is going wrong. It's, it's mm-hmm. the body that something else is happening. It's not good basically mm-hmm. in the body. So if we have high ferritin, it's not good. Mm-hmm. And ferritin should always be within the cell. So uh, there's a famous ironologist. <laughs> um, his name is Douglas Kell. And he says that ferritin serum ferritin should always actually be zero in mm-hmm. the body. And so if we have ferritin, serum ferritin in the blood, um, it's not a good thing. It's a sign that there's something wrong. Mm. So what happens, what can trigger this is inflammation, excess iron, that sort of stuff. Uh, but we, you know, we were measuring with this inaccurate marker mm. and then our doctors are prescribing us iron supplements. So, um, so just, I'm just going to cut in there. So if, a, if a, someone yeah. was going to get this blood test and it came back and the doctor said, you've got low iron, you probably mm-hmm. don't have low iron. Is that right? Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very likely. And I'll explain mm. why. Mm. Um, so when there's inflammation in the body, um, you know, there, or when we're taking too much iron, because honestly, we've been fortifying our food. I don't know how it is in Australia, but mm. at least the North, North America has been fortifying uh, their food. So this includes, you know, wheat products, mm. um, mainly primarily, but there's also, you know, the use of pesticides and things like that has also given way to more iron and food in general. Mm. Um, so we've been experiencing about a, almost a 400% increase uh, in iron in our food over here. Mm. And uh, what happens is you need basically, <laughs> uh, you, you know, minerals and vitamins don't work in isolation. So iron iron's partner is copper. And if we take too much iron, it depletes copper. And so we need to increase our copper stores or decrease our iron to have this relationship work symbiotically. Mm -hmm. So what happens when we have been having this enriched and fortified food for so long, or or been taking supplements, uh, iron supplements, um, or maybe we're just stressed because you know, anemia is often, most often today, a mm. sign of inflammation. Because <laughs> that, that was actually so, I was going to ask you. So if a client had blood tests and the doctor said you're anemic, mm-hmm. would, would, that, would it be accurate though? Do they measure it the not. same way? Yeah, it's usually yeah. serum ferritin. And so yeah. the doctor will say, oh, your ferritin is low. Let's raise it when mm. it's a totally irrelevant marker for how to measure iron. Mm. The most accurate way, if you really wanted to, would be to take a liver biopsy and measure that, but we can't do that. So um, the, what happens when we're inflamed, uh, you know, when we're super stressed, when we're being exposed to all of these fortified foods and supplements or taking things that, you know, kind of deplete copper because Mm. that's that partner that keeps everything balanced. our body will put iron into storage. So it removes it from our bloodstream because that's where viruses and bacteria, fungi, other pathogens live. And so the body is like, we don't want to feed that because iron is their primary source of food or at least one of their favorites. Um, And so the body will shuttle iron and put it into tissues and store it there because Mm -hmm. it doesn't want to feed these bacteria and pathogens. And so when we take, you know, a blood test, it's it's quite misleading because we have we could have very very little iron in our blood and tons of iron in our tissues i think it's around 10 times more so you know it's a misleading uh, way to measure iron in, mm. in the body yeah wow isn't that fascinating so if someone does like go to the doctor and they they, they say oh you're anemic what 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 actually is happening in their body yeah so yeah. It's likely, you know, it could be, so it could be a copper deficiency. Mm. Uh, We're all pretty copper deficient, at least here in North America, Mm. um, because of the supplements we take or because of the way that we grow our food. There's Mm. a bunch of things that basically stop copper from working or remove them completely from the Mm. body. 
and these are things like vitamin D supplements mm. or uh, scorbic acid. So this mm. is used as a food preservative as well. Uh, so if you're taking vitamin C with ascorbic acid, which is very common <laughs> at, during mm. this time, um, it's just depleting your vitamin C. And why that's important is because vitamin C actually is a complex that contains copper. Mm. So that's another thing. Um, you know, you could be taking zinc supplements. That's also very common right now. Mm. Uh, and zinc is actually another partner for copper. So it's kind of like a seesaw relationship and they share receptors in the body. And so if you're taking zinc, copper is not going to be able to kind of plant itself either. It's just going to not be able to be used. So it's a bunch of things throwing the balance of all of these relationships off and it's leading to a cascade of inflammation like that. Mm. Um, it's interesting, you know, even, something? oh, as you said, like even more, you know, like we, we, we recommend our clients get, get your nutrients from food, you know, eat the liver, eat mm-hmm. the oysters because it's balanced. You know, right. in nature, it's got everything in balance. Um, exactly. And it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think about all the money that I wasted on bloody supplements and vitamins and minerals and, you know, you can buy liver. It's like 10 bucks a kilo. Oysters mm-hmm. are a bit more expensive. And, I mean, some people, I mean, I t- t- to be honest, take the liver, freeze-dried liver capsules just because it's easier. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's just, it's nature. Nature knows. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why that's the benefit of, you know, taking or, or getting most of your nutrients from food because mm. you can really throw yourself off, off balance. Even if it seems pretty innocent, the supplement can still do that. Now, you know, there's exceptions like mm-hmm. um, magnesium, for example, um, or let's say vitamin E. Those are pretty safe to take because everyone is just so depleted in them. Mm. But, you know, if you're taking... Uh, iron supplements, it's probably just adding to the problem. And it's been documented to show that it can make anemia worse. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like a crapshoot there. But uh, yeah, so, you know, we have tons of supplements that we're taking um, practices uh, that around agriculture as well. So mm. glyphosate is a very common pesticide and herbicide used here in the States. It's called Roundup. That's the market name. Mm. And that chelates copper. It also can affect collagen because um, it replaces uh, glycine, which is a really important amino acid, uh, mm. with another one. And so it's kind of messing the molecular structure of collagen up too. Mm. Um, then we have high fructose corn syrup, which is in a lot of processed foods. Maybe we've grown up drinking, you know, high fructose corn syrup, uh, laden sodas, and things like that. And so those are copper chelators. So they, they uh, affect copper as well and block it from uh, having any action. So mm. we have all of these things, you know, being thrown off balance. Um, another important thing to mention too is, you know, like I mentioned, vitamins and minerals have these relationships. Uh, anemia can also be a vitamin A deficiency. Mm. So it's a, and when I say vitamin A, I mean retinol, so not beta carotene, mm. uh, not vitamin A from plant foods. It's real vitamin A from animal fats. So, can you just, this is just, I'm just keep digging a little mm-hmm. bit because a lot, some of the listeners won't understand. Like, so can you tell, tell them the difference between like why beta carotene is not the same as preformed vitamin A? You know, what, what it yeah. has to do in the body and why it's stressful in the body? Because I think, you know, like pr- prior to finding Ray Pete and changing my diet, I ate a lot of foods high in beta carotene. Oh, me um, too. <laughs> yeah, like just not realizing it, you know, like I never ate white potato because I was like, oh, white potato is bad because it's white. And yeah. if I was ever going to eat root vegetables, is always sweet potato. Um, anyway, sorry, t- just, t- just can you go into a little bit of detail around that? Totally, yeah. So beta carotene, it's, it's a plant, it's basically preformed vitamin A, but one unit of beta carotene, oh, 12 units of beta carotene yields one unit of retinol. So Mm. your body has to convert it. It's a very energy intensive process to convert beta carotene to real vitamin A. Mm. And you only get so much bang for your buck. So you have to eat basically 12 times more vitamin A or beta carotene than you would (laughs) Mm. uh, retinol. Uh, So, you know, retinol is vitamin A from animals. Mm. And, uh, 
it, it's, it's, it's also can be suppressive to the thyroid as well. Mm. So too much uh, beta carotene, too many plant compounds like that can really slow down the metabolism. And the beta carotene can also feed bacteria that we don't want to grow in our guts. So if we're eating too much, uh, this is not, you know, we have to take this with a grain of salt because uh, the, the raw carrot salad, uh, I have my clients do, you mm -hmm. have your clients do as well. You know, that's just one dose of that. And that's, that's fine in context. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're slamming, you know, beta carotene, because we think it's going to be this amazing uh, vitamin A source, like we're eating sweet potatoes at breakfast, carrots at lunch, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, even green foods have beta carotene, mm -hmm. uh, yellow foods and red foods have beta carotene. It's not just mm -hmm. orange. So if we're slamming these things, especially, you know, if you're on a plant-based diet, you're probably getting so much. It's, it's not only, you know, it's not only energy intensive to convert it, it's mm -hmm. slowing down our thyroid and potentially feeding pathogenic bacteria in our gut. So there's a couple of downsides to that. I think too, you know, like we see it a lot with women in our program and they come in um, because they've just done so many of the stupid diets and they've just fucked themselves basically like I did. <laughs> you know, like they'll, they'll even, they'll eat the carrot salad and their liver will have trouble processing it and the hands will turn orange. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. and initially, so we're like, you know, you've really got to work on the basics and the foundations to improve right. everything so that your body can actually process that. Um, yeah, it's really exactly. interesting. Yeah, it, it, it is. Mm -hmm. It is fascinating. I think, you know, prior to eating this way, I never really thought about, well, I never really thought about anything. I just followed you know, <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the fad was and that was going to get me skinny, you know, but, you know. I'm coming, with you. Yeah, coming back to like, is this, can my body digest and this food and absorb the nutrients? Mm -hmm. You know, like right. that's what I think about now. Um, and what, what are the nutrients that you need, you know, because I think a lot of women or just people in general, and I was the same, I just thought you had to eat green vegetables. Like I get a lot of women comment on my posts, obviously who never eaten like this. Yeah, but Kitty, what about the green vegetables? Like you're really missing out on all the nutrients. But no, when, <laughs> when you actually ask people, well, what are the nutrients in green vegetables? And, you know, why do you need them? And what, why, like there's other foods you can get them from in higher amounts in more easily digestible mm -hmm. forms. So I think you just get brainwashed. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a total misconception. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, what about my greens when I try to shift them more towards a pro-metabolic style of eating? And I, you know, it's, it's a conversation we have to have, like animal foods are the superior source for new vitamins and minerals. Um, you know, minerals, there's a caveat there, you know, we, that's why fruits are so important. Like potassium is really hard to get from animal foods, but that said, you know, primarily it should be animal foods. And mm. so it's, it's just so beneficial. And a lot of us have been avoiding things like fat. So in the fifties, ever since the fifties, uh, we've, we've gone on these fat free diets or switched to, you know, plant oils, things mm. like, uh, canola, uh, grapeseed, uh, any kind of industrial nut or seed oil. And, and we've been pretty much slamming those since, you know, at least we, and, honestly that's continued <laughs> oh, it, it is crazy isn't yeah. it like you get like and i'm sure you might get it too you know people like this is outrageous like i can't believe you'd suggest people eat like this but and it's nothing mm -hmm. they think it's crazy but if you go back to like the 1900s you know mm -hmm. they were this is how they ate they had like right. actually even this morning a lady was posting she was watching some show about like i don't know it, i think it's a show and she's like, isn't it amazing? This is how they ate. So like roast potatoes in lard, you know, very little green vegetables. You know, they had like mm -hmm. a dessert, which was jelly, a jelly, you know, an orange jelly. So it's like, really, we're just going back mm -hmm. to traditional food. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so beneficial for us. Um, you know, it's just so much more rich in nutrients and minerals and vitamins. And it has all the, they were doing something right. You know, <laughs> there's a reason they had it. It, it. it tastes nice too. Like I think something that's really helped me. And if you're listening to this is like, like listen to your body. Like, I mean, don't obviously fucking Krispy Kreme donuts taste, taste nice. So you still need <laughs> critical thinking, but like beautiful, ripe, fresh fruit, you know, mashed potatoes with butter and salt, you know, steak, like what makes mm -hmm. your mouth water? Green vegetables don't make your mouth water. 
They don't. Mm-mm. They taste bitter. Like I always ask my clients, so when you have a binge, do you ever, ever go and binge on green vegetables? And they're like, no. I'm <laughs> like, well, you don't love them then. Like, you know, you, you, it, it's just, you know, you, you're biting to green vegetables and they're bitter, which to me signals poison. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it just, I, I, when I started to sort of reframe it and think about it like that, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. You right. know, your mouth doesn't salivate for green vegetables and raw cabbage and, you know, like it's like it salivates a beautiful glass of fresh orange juice, you know? Just, yeah. Think mm. about what you liked when you were a kid, you mm. know, you didn't like broccoli or kale or, uh, you, know, <laughs> uh, you didn't take, you know, uh, lo- tons of salmon and go, mm, this is great. I know. Uh, although salmon's okay here and there, but you know, yeah. I, I definitely thought it was really gross when I was a kid. <laughs> mm. Me too. Um, Look at babies and kids, they love fruit. They love juice. Like I remember as kids, we used to, to smash milk. Like my brother, mm-hmm. like we'd go through liters and liters of milk, heaps of fruit, um, mm-hmm. yogurts, you know, we had butter, but then I remember mum, you know, obviously when that whole vegetable oil thing came in, we changed to like Nutalex and margarine and, but they were just uh, doing yeah, the best too. that they could, you know, they didn't know any better. They just followed the mainstream nutrition advice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Really scary. So, so let's go back to the, so if, if a woman was to go to the doctors and get a blood test and, she, and it came back that she was anemic or the doctor was telling she got low iron, what, what should she do? Yeah. And um, I can definitely answer that, but I do want to go back to vitamin A and why oh, that's yes, important. Yes. Sorry, sorry. Keep, keep going. So, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Um, so the reason I bring up vitamin A is because I believe there were three doctors that actually cured anemia. They won like the Nobel prize for curing anemia with just uh, feeding uh, their patients beef liver. Wow. So if you take that into account, what is the liver rich in? It's rich mm. in vitamin A, it's mm. rich in copper, it's mm. rich in other things too. But knowing the relationship between iron and copper and mm. then vitamin A and copper. So vitamin A is actually what activates copper and mm. allows it to work correctly in the body and you know uh, execute all of its important functions. And so we need retinol, real vitamin A, to activate copper. And so that just makes perfect sense when you look at it because liver is the perfect food for that. It has amazing source of copper and it's an amazing source of vitamin A. And so if someone uh, goes to the doctor and is told they're anemic, I would actually vouch for or advocate for a, a hemoglobin test because that will really tell you you know, okay, is it just, is it ferritin? Is that the weird one, the irrelevant marker that you're measuring? Or uh, is it hemoglobin that's actually low? That's going to give you way more of a, a marker. And I believe the ranges here in the US are 12.5 to 15.5. So, um, so if someone goes and gets that test, what, what mm-hmm. should they look for? Like, Yeah. So yeah. hemoglobin should be 12, mm-hmm. between 12.5 and 15.5. Um, Likely, you know, if you're anemic, if you're truly anemic, it'll be maybe a little bit lower, but you know, that, that signifies to me that you're actually deficient in copper, deficient in vitamin A, you probably have stored iron in your tissue somewhere. So what you need to do is actually help the iron come out of storage. And you can do that by one, donating blood, Mm -hmm. um, or two, you know, making sure especially if you're female, making sure you're cycling or at least fighting for your cycle in some way, shape or form, if you're, you know, of age and can cycle. Um, so, you know, if you're female and cycling, maybe giving blood once or twice a year, Mm -hmm. if you're a non-cycling female, maybe every quarter, just like males do, that's highly recommended for males as well. Um, and you know, you can do that because it's, supercharges or ignites your iron recycling system. Mm -hmm. So here's another aspect of iron that we haven't talked about yet is that our body has a really sophisticated iron recycling system. Mm -hmm. It has some fancy name. I won't, I won't get into that, but um, basically our body is really good at recycling things. It's using the most it can out of what it's, what it's got. So uh, our body basically it doesn't need more than one or two grams of iron per day dietary wise, Mm. uh, because it's able to recycle about 24 to 25 grams. Some say even more than that. Some say upwards of 30. Um, So, 
you know, we really don't need that much dietary iron, you know, every day because our body is already recycling this, you know, through the red blood cells that come back and get broken down and then the, in the bone marrow and the body makes new blood cells, new mm. red blood cells with that same iron. So it's, it's utilizing everything that it can uh, without making any waste. Um, so, you know, we don't need that much iron and in, in our, in our daily diet. Uh, mm. But, you know, so there's that aspect too. Uh, you know, we don't need much iron, but if you really wanted to get deep into it and what kind of measures the efficiency of that iron recycling system of your overall iron status and the other cofactors that you need to manage iron really well mm -hmm. is get the full Monty iron panel. Mm -hmm. And that will tell you, you know, your hemoglobin, uh, let's see, it'll tell your hemoglobin, uh, your serum iron, mm -hmm. uh, your ferritin, the, the favorite one of doctors, um, your zinc level, your copper, your ceruloplasmin, which is the copper protein that actually allows you to do the funky stuff and the amazing stuff that you mm. need to get done, um, uh, as well as retinol, so vitamin A and vitamin D and a couple of other markers. But and basically measures, okay, so how much iron do we think you have you know, in your blood? How much iron do you potentially have stored in your tissues how what's your ability to actually utilize iron and that's really the meat of it it's like are you able to properly utilize it or is it just going into storage likely because mm -hmm. uh, that's really at the end of the day what we want to figure out and so you know what what other things do you need so do you need more vitamin a in your diet have you been on fat-free diets your whole life um, mm -hmm. or have you been eating lots of polyunsaturated fats your whole life um, and and barely gotten any retinol because mm. that's most of us. <laughs> mm. um, and then copper, you know, we need copper to manage iron as well. And a lot of us, you know, organ meats have an amazing source of copper, um, shellfish as well. Mm. And so are we getting these foods in every day or, you know, at the right times weekly, a couple of mm. times a week? Mm. Uh, probably not. <laughs> mm. So these are, you know, it's, it's a great way to tell, okay, how has everything up until this point, uh, your, your diet and lifestyle led you to this, this place. And so uh, we can really look at the iron, you know, recycling capacity and your ability to manage it. And then from there, you can really start making changes and mm -hmm. seeing uh, your anemia kind of like lift up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I would recommend. That's the better test for uh, seeing if you have true anemia, mm -hmm. seeing also you like your, your oxidative stress. So the overall kind of like, aging process that you're going through because iron creates a lot of free radicals in the body, especially unbound iron. So when your body stores it away in your tissues, it's not that good either. It's, it's a safety mechanism to keep it from feeding the bugs in our body, um, potential, you know, bad things, but uh, it can also rust in our body too. And mm -hmm. so when iron rusts it, you know, if you've ever had like a, a cast iron pan, you've forgotten to, uh, cure it, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you see rust or, you know, if barbells, for example, too, <laughs> yeah. they, they rust. And um, yeah, that can happen in our bodies too. And, and when that happens, it, it creates a lot of issues. It can lead to disease. You can pretty much link iron, you know, overload, quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, to any disease out there. And uh, having iron, too much iron in the body uh, creating free radicals is actually speeding up our aging process. Um, mm. and it's depleting us of magnesium, depleting us of vitamin E. So mm. it's, it's a couple, there's a couple things that are, can go really wrong with too much iron too. Mm. It's a, it's a balance that we need. So ladies, just to finish off on top of the normal dietary changes that we recommend, eat your liver and oysters every week. <laughs> yes. Get, get them in. I remember when Emma, when I first started working with Emma and she's like, oh, kitty, you've got to eat liver every week. I was like, oh, like I just, I don't like, I didn't just didn't like liver, but I did it anyway. Really religiously ate the oysters every week and the liver. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you don't love liver, you know, um, take the liver capsules, you know, Satray's made some awesome, that's why we made them, Emma and I, because we were just so many of our clients were like, I just, I, I can't do liver. I won't do it. I won't do it. I can't eat it. You know, um, yeah. I do love pate. You know, I love making pate. I think just when I'm busy, I don't make it. So in terms of the amount 
of liver and oysters per week, what would you generally recommend for people? Oh yeah. I highly recommend getting liver in every day. So, you know, it's just, you just need a little bit, but (laughs) uh, if you're not keen on the actual liver, uh, you know, you can get that a couple times a week, like fight for once a week. Yeah. 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 Stick it in like, (laughs) stick it in ground beef, make meatballs out of it. Mm. Um, You can, you can go to the butcher and have them mix organ meats in. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Um, But I highly recommend getting desiccated beef liver, especially if you're somebody that kind of gags at the idea of, you know, liver um, and maybe it's not attractive for you and that's okay. Uh, (laughs) But the, the pills, the desiccated beef liver pills, it's just freeze dried liver. And so it's, it's, provides such a great benefit anyway. Um, Have you ever tried blending it in a smoothie? I did that once and I was like, never again. Really? Raw liver in a smoothie. I thought, oh, this will be fine, but yeah, no good. I haven't been that brave yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean. nice. Cook it, I reckon. (laughs) Um, Sorry, keep going. So in total amount per week, per seven days, what would you roughly recommend? That's a good question. Um, if you're getting it, every, I would, I would try for like an ounce every day. So mm. maybe seven ounces per week. Mm. Uh, so maybe, so you know, remember we're in Australia. So that's an, an ounce is how many grams is that? So we usually say to people like a hundred to 150 grams a week, depending on your like split. I think that's probably about roughly what it would when we're talking ounces to grams. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure about <laughs> the conversion. That's something I'm totally <laughs> over my head, but yeah, I'm sure that's, somewhat equal to that yeah um so yeah definitely try to get the real stuff in but if not you know at least get the desiccated beef liver pills and Mm. i take those every day um Mm. you know every day yeah not eating the liver the 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 b vitamins because they're water soluble too so like unlike Mm. the the vitamin a your body will lose them every day so it can be beneficial with them i think to take them daily what about the oysters how many oysters a week yeah, so I, I generally want to go for six. Uh, that's a really good amount. So six oysters, you can break them up throughout the week. You can mm. eat them all at once in one sitting. Uh, those are a really great source of copper and other mm. trace minerals like selenium and zinc. And uh, also, I think iodine as well. So, mm. you know, getting those in is really important too. Mollusks are, you know, those are the kind of, any kind of shelled (laughs) uh, seafood. Those are really good and have a decent amount of copper in them. Um, Mm. Yeah. So I recommend six oysters and, you know, you can, you can do clams, you can mix it up, especially Mm. if you don't like oysters, you can do mussels um, Mm. and you can also do shellfish. So uh, oysters are going to be like the best, but shellfish has a really great amount of copper too. And so, uh, you could do shrimp, you can do lobster if you want to get fancy, yeah. uh, you can do scallops. Oh, I um, love scallops. Mm. Yeah. Yummy. And then, so those are two really, really amazing sources. I would say like probably the best. And my third source for, for copper, um, is, is a uh, whole food vitamin C. So mm. making sure you're getting plenty of whole food vitamin C. And that comes in the form of like citrus fruits. That's mm. actually the namesake of vitamin C is like vitamin citrus. Yeah, really? <laughs> uh, it's, it's for citrus and collagen because you need vitamin mm. C to also make collagen. Mm. Um, and so uh, that has copper in it. So mm. it's a complex and there's a couple things in there, but also in vitamin C is, is uh, copper. Mm. And uh, you can get it from melons i'm not sure what the seasons are like there but we just finished or we're on the end of melon season over here mm. i'm really sad about it uh <laughs> and melons i don't know why like i just i've never got it i remember my dad when i was a kid loved rock melon like used to i think you guys call it cantaloupe over there yeah yeah mm-hmm. and honeydew melon i don't know what you, it's the green one i don't know what you call that. that's right yeah we call it honeydew yeah yeah i just don't like melons i think people either love melons or i don't know why yeah. yeah. I'm obsessed with them. I eat them yeah. like every day, all yeah. day. <laughs> I love juice. But love orange juice. Oh God. Juice is a great option. Yeah. Uh, so juice is also great, especially OJ. Mm. Uh, but you know, if you can get some tropical fruit as well, those, those will have vitamin C. Mm. Tropical fruit juices are amazing. They're really mm. tasty. Um, so yeah, vitamin C as well. And with the beef liver, you're getting a really good dose of vitamin A. 
Mm. Um, I'm not sure what you guys like there though. If, if you like butter or tallow more or ghee more, but those are also really good sources of vitamin A too. Yeah. We've got all of them over here. I use all of them. We always use ghee to cook our uh, chips in at night and at dinner and potato. Yeah. They're yummy. They just mm. and delicious heaps of salt. Um, yes. Yeah. Just eat all good foods, guys. Like eat all the yummy, delicious orange juice and potatoes and your yeah, liver's not so delicious, but, um, and some <laughs> people like oysters. I think, I think oysters are less offensive than liver. I reckon like, yeah, I think more people I can agree. do the oysters and the liver, but yeah, just, um, just get them in, just get them in, get the, get the good mm-hmm. food in instead of taking the supplements. Um, Listen to Kitty. <laughs> yeah. Eat the food. She's right. It's nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, is there anything else that you, that you want to add? You think that we haven't covered about the, about the iron? Um, you know, we covered the iron recycling system. We covered anemia. We covered blood tests. Um, I guess one thing was, is really interesting. Uh, it, I guess it's really important to support your estrogen detoxification if you mm-hmm. are a female because estrogen increases our ability to absorb iron as well. So, you know, if you, which is also should be why we are, conf- or why we should have a bit of curiosity and speculation if we're told we are anemic because women are so much better at absorbing iron than men are because of our higher estrogen levels. Mm. So Dr. Ray Pete in his book, PMS to menopause, he talks about this a lot. And he says that women are able to absorb up to three times more iron from one meal than men are. Mm. And then pregnant women are able to absorb up to nine times as much iron from one meal than mm. men are. So that's a lot of iron that we're able to absorb. So, you know, granted our body is really smart. We absorb more. We also get rid of more if we're cycling. Mm. Um, but that should be, you know, this, this sophisticated system and the fact that we are able to absorb so much more, it should be kind of like a red flag when you're told you're anemic, um, mm. because it just doesn't add up to me. Um, <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it could, so there could be all these women out there. Sorry, I just put my thumb down on the desk. Um, there could be all these women out there thinking that they're low in iron when they're actually not. Right. They've just had especially, the wrong test. Exactly. And especially if you've been on the birth control pill or mm. if you're taking hormone replacement therapy, mm. um, you know, a lot of women, especially after the age of 40, they might start to experience hormonal changes. And usually the doctors, uh, sort of recommendation for this is like, Oh, you seem low in estrogen, which yeah. is also very, very yeah. hard to, to be low in. Um, <laughs> that's also inaccurately measured. And I can talk about that too. Uh, but you know, uh, we were, so like they, they consider, okay, they see a, a deficiency in their, their, uh, sort of approaches deficiency supplements let's supplement the exact same thing when they're missing the big picture Mm -hmm. uh, because so many things have relationships together and so uh, hormone replacement uh, therapy or you know even the birth control pill that's going to increase your iron uh, absorption by a lot as well and uh, even iron uh, sorry birth control pills have tons of iron in them too Mm -hmm. they have upwards of 75 milligrams in one of the placebo pills uh, Mm -hmm. for some of the for actually quite a few brands, at least here in the States. Mm. And so you're getting a huge dose of estrogen plus you're getting a huge dose of estrogen all cycle long. And Mm -hmm. then you're getting a big dose of really, it's a bad form of iron too. It's not a good one um, in in the birth control pill. Um, And so you're just overwhelming your body's ability to recycle it. Uh, You're probably having a lot of storage of iron because it's just too much. Um, so that's another thing to think about too. If you've done that, you, you may likely have, uh, some kind of iron, uh, uh storage and overload going on. Mm. It's just, it's just so interesting. I'm, and I'm so glad we did this because I get lots of questions all the time from women. Um, and I think, you know, they get the blood test from their doctors and they think mm-hmm. that they're low in iron, you know, they're all getting that yeah. test which is just, yeah, it just makes you like, I have only had ever had a few rounds of blood tests since I've been eating like this. And I just, I, I just find like, I can feel it in my body. Like I know, like I know when I've pushed it too hard or I haven't eaten enough or stress is too much, you know, I think your body, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get blood tests, but like, you know, I think a lot of the time they go get the blood test, it just confirms what they already know. Right. That, they, yeah. that you need to do, you know, 
Um, what, what, like if someone had, you know, actually maybe we could quickly talk about this, the dangers of high iron um, mm-hmm. and what symptoms would you look for? Oh gosh. Um, that could honestly be anything because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> iron is just, um, it, again, it's, it's, a uh, it's connected with so many diseases, but, mm. um, a really, really one that I've come across, uh, very often is any kind of autoimmune disease. Mm. So it's, it's usually has some kind of iron component. Mm. Um, we're also, those are more common in women as well. And, you know, it may kind of makes sense, estrogen, iron, and then the level of stress that we're under today as a society. So mm-hmm. you, you mix those three and women are doing more and we have cycles and, you know, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it just means we're more sensitive to stress and we really have to take care of that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like all those three things, stress, estrogen, and iron kind of <laughs> come together and uh, can create, you know, an autoimmune reaction. Um, so, you know, if you have Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis, those are pretty hallmark things of iron overload. Um, yeah. I would say, sure, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just w- w- back to the autoimmune, you know, we've had some women come into our program with like uh, rheumatoid arthritis. We've had a, quite a few actually. And um, just by them, they just do all the basics, right? Reduce stress, mm-hmm. get sun, eat the liver and oysters religiously, for, you know, just do all the normal diet changes, um, yeah. you know, lower stress. And, you know, there's two in particular that just I'm thinking about now. I'm like, their doctor's like, you're, you're in remission. They're off all their medication. That's you know, amazing. Just, isn't, it, isn't it amazing, you know, by like, and yeah. they, I've done a couple of interviews with them and they really talk a lot about like listening to their body and understanding mm-hmm. now, like, cause they do strength train, but they're like, we just have to be really careful. You know, we can't push it too much. So just right. knowing when to stop and when to listen to your body and rest, and that's really helped help them a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Saying we've had some women with Hashimoto's come in and just eat lots of food and lower the stress and do all the basic stuff and PCOS, just all those things. Um, right. And they've improved dr- dramatically. Like it, mm-hmm. it is actually, isn't it quite amazing what, what the, the food is. can do? It still actually blows my mind. <laughs> like it's just it i think it's just quite it, no supplements you know like just the food it's so rewarding though because you know you know it, it works and they're doing the work and mm. it they're experiencing such a huge benefit from just changing these little things and that's mm. really like at the end of the day there's no magic pill there's no like also there's also no like super complex formula for anything it's no. just like good food good nourishment lower stress yeah. get sleep get sunlight and that's like the combination for it's a winning combination that you can't yeah. do that wrong <laughs> I think you know like I always notice personally um because we've got two businesses and I train hard and you know like I'm pretty go-go the whole time um and mm-hmm. usually I'm like quite diligent with my food and will eat enough but there's times when you know I get busy or I might push too bit hard in training and I always know when I've pushed too hard because normally mm-hmm. my cycle is um never get any cramping ever um, and it's good. And, but when I, I notice if I've had a stressful month that mm-hmm. I'll get cramping, like slight cramping. And then, you know, I'll be like, oh, okay, all right. You need to just dial it back a bit. You need to slow down. Right. You need to listen, you know, whereas before that, obviously six years ago, I'd just go hard the whole time, you know, n- never. Like, was- oh, yeah. Cramping. What's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Like you've obviously there's, you've, you know, I always like to sort of think, and I explain this, I just think it's simple, a simple way to think it like my body's like a bucket. And there's things that I do that fill it and there's things mm-hmm. I do to drain it. And I'm like, oh, you've obviously just drained it too much this month. So now yeah. as a result, this is happening or my sleep won't be very good or, you know, so I think your body is just, you really got to listen to your body. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's, that's what's awesome about what you're doing is you're teaching people to get back in tune with their bodies, mm. uh, which is invaluable because so many of us are just conditioned to kind of, not listen to our bodies. And like you said, you, you did it <laughs> when you were training a couple of years ago, you know, you wouldn't have thought twice about like, Oh, uh, I have a cramps this period. You know, that's, that's not a good thing. I should probably change something. My lifestyle was not supporting my body. Mm. Uh, whereas like, you know, now it's, it's a sign. So it's, it's all a learning process. And what's really beautiful about the kind of work that we both do actually is just getting people back in tune and, um, 
allowing them to trust themselves, like trusting their body too, because that's part of it. So many of us are t- conditioned to not trust our bodies and uh, we, we're scared to do anything or try anything new or change our routine or, you know, and it's, 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 uh, it's really empowering when you can actually get away from that. <laughs> oh, it is. It's amazing. And I think too, like, and look, I know this because I've done it myself is that, I think a lot of women, like they're still looking for that magic thing or that magic supplement. And a lot of the time, like they're missing some of the bigger picture stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, and I'm just going to use myself as an example. Like, a couple of months ago, because I get these ideas in my head. I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do this training program because I love training. Like mm-hmm. I love to lift heavy and push myself. I love the challenge. And I was, I was like, oh, I'll just do a couple of these phases from Win at Life. Craig's like, you probably shouldn't do them. Like they're not, they're not appropriate for you. You're too advanced. It's too much volume at too high intensity. But of course I didn't listen. And so like after a couple of months, I hit the wall and I probably wasn't being as diligent with my food, um, you know, and then I like my sleep started to be shit. And then I was like freaking out thinking, oh, fuck, you know, like I've just pushed myself too hard. And then so I just dialed everything right back, increased all of my food. And I started to like, I did this big spreadsheet tracking everything like salt, calcium, magnesium, like all of these things, doing my temperature and pulse. And I was talking Mm -hmm. to Emma about it and she's like, you're fine, kitty. Like your diet is amazing. You're getting everything. You just need to relax and like you just need to dull your training back and eat more and lower the stress on your body. And then I was like, after, you know, another month, I was like good again. And I think though you Mm -hmm. can get so down on the nitty gritty, but are you looking at the bigger picture? Like how is your overall stress? Because I think that, you know, and a lot of women, if they train, it's like, you you can only push your body. There's only so much food that will compensate for pushing your body so far. Like you have to look at the overall big picture of the stresses. And I think, you know, you can take a heap of magnesium, but it's not going to matter if you're just pushing too hard in the gym, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's, yeah. that's a good example. Like, you know, and if you're a woman who has a whole heap of emotional stress going on, you know, mm-hmm. like I've had women in our program who are just going through terrible marriage problems. Mm. And I'm like, now is not the time for you to be trying to lose body fat. Like yeah. it's too stressful. Like you just, I think, and, and, and we forget that about all of these other stresses in our lives. So right. yeah, it really is. Sometimes you have to pull yourself up a little bit and look down instead of like, you can get so into the nitty nitty gritty and forget about the bigger picture but not to say that those things aren't important aren't important but yeah that's really well said yeah Mm. and you know like you mentioned exercise is kind of it's one of the things that drains the the or drains the bucket or maybe the way you were saying it it's one of the things that adds to the bucket (laughs) um but it's you know it's it it's a it's going to be a stress and it's going to be more of a stress if we're already really stressed and so Yeah. The things that you're saying, you know, getting, being consistent is, is what's going to also be the most de-stressing for our body too. So especially with nutrition, that's like the number one way you can lower stress. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're eating those foods every day, but also fueling yourself properly because the the more, the less micro emergencies that we can create for our body, the safer our body is going to feel, the more fat we're going to burn long in long term. Uh, and the more benefit, you know, vital we're going to feel as well. Mm. Our detoxification mm. systems are going to work great. Our libido is going to be awesome. Mm. So it's all about making your body feel really safe. Mm. Yeah. And like, I think ladies, if you look at this training and what I've realized over the years is less is more, like more mm-hmm. is not good. Like we, we I think mm. we're just so conditioned to think that more and more and more. And, you know, I think about now where I'm at now and I train the least I ever had, least volume, you know, I still train at high intensity, like I push myself, but it's like one set or two sets and it's low volume, yeah. you know, training two days a week sometimes. And I look and feel the best I ever have. So I think you just like, you really, you've, it's, it's, I, and I understand how it's hard to shift that mindset because we've always just been so conditioned. But if you, you've got to allow your body to rest and recover. You know, um, and just give it a chance. Because like, I think if you've done what you've done your whole life and you don't change anything, how is anything going to change? You know, even though this exactly. approach might seem radical, like eat more and do less, <laughs> <laughs> it really does work if you give it yeah. a go and you do it for long enough, I think, and be consistent with it. So, totally, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I, I was in a place similar, uh, you know, I was doing like, 
I was working out seven days a week at one point and doing like doubles because I just wanted to, to like learn, not only like did I love exercise, but I wanted to learn everything that I possibly could. So, <laughs> but you know, at the back of my mind, I was like, this is probably not a good idea, but uh, it, and then I ended up burning out and mm. that was a couple of years ago, but you know, you, you learn from it too. Mm. Um, and, and now I'm kind of like uh, you that I, I definitely work, work out a lot less. So I, I weight lift and power lift. Mm. Um, and you know, maybe I'm working out three days, maybe four days a week. Mm. Uh, but I'm only doing like one heavy set mm. and just allowing myself to, to rest and recover and taking long breaks in between sets too. <laughs> mm. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, it's just, well, it's just amazing, isn't it? Strength training. I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. So empowering. So fun. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And you've just, but you've just got to, not too much, I think, listen to your body and, you know, make sure you're well fueled and um, well rested because I, I mean, in my head now, I always think, okay, I'm performance driven. I want to beat my last performance. And if I'm not rested and I haven't mm -hmm. recovered, I can't beat it. So I'm like, well, what's the fucking point? You know, like, so I just give myself that extra time and go in when I feel, um, feel good. So yeah. Amazing. That's smart. Amazing. <laughs> oh, we have to post yeah. some of your videos of you training. I don't think I've ever really seen you training. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe one day. <laughs> oh, come on. oh, you can just send them to me then. I love seeing, um, I love seeing people train. Um, but that was, okay. so, that was so great. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yeah. on. Yeah. It was really, really oh. awesome. I think the viewers will love it. And just, I, even I learned some great, great stuff um, too. So um, I'll put your like Instagram link down in the, um, in the podcast details so people can, um, can go and follow you and yeah, we'll have to get you on again soon and we can talk about, I'm sure you've got lots of other topics you'd love to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Iron is definitely one of my uh, fortes. I, I, you know, went through a program that was very focused on that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't only talk about iron, but it's, it's definitely a little, you know, it's a place, it's a subject I hold close to my heart. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation and uh, yeah, I really hope your listeners uh, enjoy it and find it helpful. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. That, great. Thanks so much, um, Lauren. I'll speak to you soon. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks so Bye. much, Kitty.